0: Welcome once again to the Irish NFL Podcast. As always, I'm Mark Cockrell, a disappointed Patriots fan, joined as always by my good friends Brian Boy oleary a uh, garrulous Giants fan. Good, good, eyes, even. good evening, Brian.
1: Good evening, Mark. I've been worse.
0: And uh, Gordon G-Man Bridgefield, a Pittsburgh Steelers slash Atlanta Falcons slash Cleveland Browns fan. How are you doing, Gordon?
2: Mark, how are we getting on?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. Well, look, as always, gents, pleasure to be chatting with you. Pleasure to be talking all things NFL. Pleasure to be, you know, chatting on a season which is uh, fast approaching us. But um, before we get into some season talk, Gordo, what's. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been looking at the, the news or my phone at all for the last, I don't know, week. Um, anything been happening, maybe? Any news to share?
2: Ah, uh, typical American sports news at the, at this time of the year, Mark. And again, it, unfortunately, it's for a serious note. And across all sports leagues been blowing up. And again, another social movement is in play uh, across America. Uh, and it's, to do it again, another police shooting of uh, Jacob Blake. And we're starting to see it now. NBA players have postponed from playing the playoff season. NHL, similarly, as well. Uh, and now it's transferred across to... Uh, American football where we know there is a big movement on the the rise uh, for social justice and I think the reports that are kind of coming out at the moment that are very interesting is players are now starting to take a bigger stand that there's potential reports of some senior players uh, come the regular season will sit out uh, a couple of games Um, and again I think we're now at that point in time and we're now starting to see that as opposed to the Colin Kaepernick era where it was one voice here or there It is now unity being shown across the league. So all teams suspended training sessions as well um, in support of this. Uh, And teams are very much backing it. And I think it's interesting um, The Detroit Lions were actually the first team ahead of anyone to postpone their training. And that's what Matt Patricia there obviously leading the charge. Um, And then also the Baltimore Ravens actually really put out, and I'd encourage anyone to read it, a really politically... Um, uh, position statement on their view and how they see the future being and making quite a few bullet points of what they want to see happening in terms of uh, justice for the shootings Uh, and it's the first time we've really seen an NFL team go down this route as we know that there is that kind of view that the NFL and Donald Trump and all of these people are very close and Roger Goodell doesn't want to upset them he's come out and admitted that he was wrong about the Colin Kaepernick piece you know, a few years too late, unfortunately. But we are starting to see a movement, and I think it's a very serious topic. It's one that obviously we can't relate to personally, um, but it is one that we're kind of seeing across the league. Uh, and it's sad as well to see some of the legends of the game kind of putting them putting their um, their foot in it. And Brian Erlacher is one who I have to mention because, as much of a legend as he is, he has come across as one of those hillbilly, stupid American stereotypes with a tweet where he's comparing uh, players talking about not playing this regular season to Brett Favre still playing through his father's passing. Um, It was just a a ridiculous tweet. And suddenly you've got uh, the Bears having to put out a social media message saying that they're distancing themselves from one of their legends, Brian Urlacher. And I think that's what it's coming to. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting time at the moment. Um, But, yeah, very heated across America.
0: Well, we're, we're grateful. We've got a Brian who doesn't say stupid things. So, you know, Brian, I mean, how do you put some of this in context in terms of what it can mean for the, for the season as well in, in terms of what's going on in a number of the, the clubs and as Gordo alludes to, like this whole movement generally across sports currently?
1: It's interesting in a way because players in terms of the salary and when they get paid, if they play one game at the start of the season, they're guaranteed their salary for the year. So you certainly won't see any players holding out week one, I'd imagine, you know, because they want to get that locked in that they're going to get the full year of salary. And I think it will actually might hit home maybe week two, not necessarily week two, but probably the back end of the first month of the season. Um, it's interesting in a way because there's some players coming out saying they'll do it, but will they really do it? I think they're just kind of stressing the point that's that's there. And I think again we're fortunate that we are kind of just just under two weeks away from the new season. And this is a timing thing here, I think. I must say this is going to go away, but certainly feeling two weeks, and I could be wrong, could be very wrong, but I certainly think the two weeks things might have calmed down slightly. And I think the, the enormity of a new season might just take over and players might just back off slightly from what they're suggesting. But that's an opinion more so than a fact. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and look, I mean, look, the NBA players, they did boycott their playoff games and started by the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously, where the, the incident has initially taken place. but... Um, they're back playing their playoff games again, like they've unanimously decided. So, I don't know. I think the players will want to do something to kind of commemorate or acknowledge it because they've seen all these players in other sports doing it. But I'm like you, I don't think it's necessarily going to be walking away from the game itself. I mean, in football, there's a lot more players involved in the first instance. And equally, I think there's, for them, a lot of them too much money involved. I think you
1: might find, you know, similar we've seen in the past where head coaches have held players out, you might find the protests that may be on a couple of drives more so than a game, and they might just hold them out of a particular drive, depending on when, if that's later in the game where a team is winning comfortably, and they might say, you know, we don't need to have you in there. But
0: Well, well, again, I suppose we'll come back to the whole, um, the, the perceived, in, well, not perceived, the actual inequality in terms of the racial disparity in America. I mean the NBA, a predominantly black-driven sport, has one black owner, being, of course, Michael Jordan. NFL as well, predominantly the players are black, and there's still, even with the Rooney rule, very few black head coaches, very few black GMs. Um, I can't think, actually, off the top of my head, of any black owners at all. So um, whether this...
1: Just the Redskins, um, the new chaps come in as the president. Uh, Right, he's the first president in the NFL. He's that's only recently, so...
0: That's true. He's the first black uh, president, and then Rick Smith in Houston Texans is a GM who stands out. And obviously, we've had we've I think we've three black head coaches. But that that's also something that strikes me is that disparity or that you know the distinction between players and management almost can become more prevalent. But um, it, whilst
1: whilst I can understand the the Rooney rule and the reasons behind it, you know sometimes, sometimes you take a step back and you actually look at the candidates for the roles in the after Black Monday. And you actually look at who who ends up getting the job and you do kind of say, you know what, they probably are the right guy for the job. The only one I could think of recently is Eric Biennium, the Chiefs Offensive Coordinator, who in all likelihood, I think he'll get a job next year. I just think it was a year Mm. too soon.
0: Well, there was talk a couple of seasons back, do you need to expand the Rooney rule to assistant coaches and coordinator positions and things like that? Because they weren't seeing the the influx of young talent almost to equalize out the balance. And maybe that's something that that is viable. I, I think the, the sentiment behind it is laudable, but the execution is, is shocking. I mean, we've seen it before. I think it was the Browns were one of the worst offenders, where they basically announced the replacement head coach and then it was like, oh, we have to... F-. I mean, to be blunt, they might as well have called the candidate token for all it was. It was like, oh, we better be seen to interview someone else. Even though it was all a gun deal, the Raiders Mark Davis similarly when he hired uh, Chucky, you know that was blatant disregard at all. And, and and you know for all his faults, Al Davis was one of the preeminent supporters of um, you know African American coaches in the first instance.
2: But I I, I think we're seeing um, it, it's interesting. I think the biggest piece for me now is just seeing the teams in behind the players. It's it's not something we've seen in the past, and I think it is a show of solidarity towards what the movement is. And the biggest part of it being Roger Goodell and the guys realising, okay, actually, we do need to support our players. Uh, and it's it's a slow-moving process. This is not going to happen overnight, but it is very different to what we're used to over the years. But look, it's a more serious piece of news, so I thought I'd better come to the table with uh, something a little bit more light-hearted uh, to finish off the news round for you guys. So I know neither of you have seen this, but I have... Uh, found a little tweet online of some of the most notable free agents. So I'm going to throw out a few names and I just kind of want to just put it out on the table and see what your thoughts are, where they think they might land, who's best suited for them and uh, you know, will they get signed sooner rather than later. And I think going through the entire list of everyone that's out there, the one that stands out to me that we need to talk about is uh, Jadavia Clowney. So I suppose, Mark, uh, one of the bigger defensive names out there still available as free agent. Where Where is he going?
0: Uh, Seahawks on a one-year deal, going back there. My guess, Brian.
1: Agreement, Mark. I'll throw in a wild card. I think he might. The Titans might throw something bigger at him very late in the day. But
2: we'll see. Uh, okay, yeah, interesting. I, I, I think I tend to agree. I think it's just like the Seahawks have to take him back. It, it just makes more sense as in. He had a solid year, so you, you just go back to what you're used to, you know. Um mm-hmm. On the offensive side, there was an interesting name. I've, again, obviously one of the teams, one of the many teams I support. Uh, he's come from them. So running back, uh, Devontae Freeman, who, mm-hmm. again, only a few years ago was regarded as one of the best running backs in the league. Obviously, he's had a few kind of less than productive seasons, but still in you know a position that is a needed one or two quality starters you would expect there to be a need for him or a want for him out there in the league
1: I was con- I was convinced the books, but they have taken McCoy I think he's actually one of those players that might end up just probably not the answer you want hear. I think he's one of these players that might end up not starting anywhere and then as soon as some team get a serious injury to a running back he'll get picked up
0: yeah I was just going to say it's any team that doesn't need him to do blitz pick up anyway Um, harking back to Dante Hightower's famous strip sack in the Super Bowl but um, you know you're right he is a talent but I I kind of agree with Brian on this I mean the Bucks were the obvious choice but McCoy now slotting back in with Andy Reid kind of fills that gap Um, you pretty much look at the training camps everyone's loaded and they've got the young talent there potentially coming through he could end up just having to wait for his opportunity
2: yeah, I think, unfortunately, based on kind of the, the additions made throughout the summer and teams now using the draft to fill that running back position, I, I, I tend to agree to Mark. I think it's going to be an injury replacement uh, or a COVID, more likely COVID replacement at some point uh, throughout the season. I have two more to finish off, one which is obviously um, something we've touched on in the past, but the, the next one is kind of a more of a legend of the game, linebacker Clay Matthews. Um, says he's still out there still wants to play uh, still ready for it and again had a solid enough productive year last year um, like again is he one of these players that we kind of wait and see what happens
0: the the problem I mean Clay Matthews you're right he's uh, legend is pushing it I would say he's been a very solid NFL player obviously very distinctive great career with Green Bay mostly third generation um, NFL player as well which is uh, you know he's got the legacy there um, to me, at this stage of his career, even though um, the uh, the pack obviously tried to reinvent him a little bit, he's pretty much now a two-down linebacker. And the question is, like, you know, how much room is there for players like that? He's not a difference maker. Um, he's too expensive as a vet to kind of be your third, fourth, fifth linebacker option. He's not going to contribute on special teams. I hate to say it, but the way in which the salary cap's gone, the way in which the whole process has gone, he might think he's available I if I'm a virtual GM here, I can't see a logical landing round for him, to be really honest.
1: If Clowning doesn't stay in Seattle, I think he would end up in Seattle. As a as the, the fall as the follow back. If he doesn't go there, I'm gonna throw a madman at you. I think don't be surprised if someone like the Raiders pick him up.
2: Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, And uh, just to completely change uh, our flow and uh, agreed structure for today, uh, I better finish off this roundup with uh, the most notable name who's been in the news of late, uh, our favourite man Brian's uh, most favourite story of the week Earl Thomas Um, (laughs) And Brian, look I'm not even going to say any more, I'm just going to pass it straight over to you
1: Look, earlier in the off-season we had the incident I call it an incident where he was caught in a Curious situation with his brother, was it? And uh, a female, and which his wife caught him. He came on social media with some absolute nonsense about the situation, what had happened. Surprised that that stage he wasn't caught, but of course he's, he still is, what I think is a good, good enough there for most teams in the league, especially the, even with the Ravens who are trying to win the Super Bowl. But last week, between... Him having a serious row in training or in, in camp with four or five players on in one day and then sending a message to the general manager and Harbour to say he was late because the car's getting watched. I think that was the end of the line. I think something's gone amiss with him in the past year. Um, I don't know, he's got too many hits from his time in Seattle. But, and obviously the broken leg, but he seems to have gone off the rails a little. And uh, I think he's the kind of guy that'll end up somewhere like the Jets. You know, he, he would be an ideal fit. You know, they let Jamal Adams go, who's a, who's a bit of an oddball. Maybe he's the right guy to come in there.
0: So, old Thomas is only going in one place. I mean, I think this has been in the offense at some point ever since he flipped off Pete Carroll going off the, the sideline with his broken leg in Seattle, which really kind of put the cap on his career in Seattle. Um, he's going to Dallas. Jerry Jones has missed out on him too many times. He's a Texas boy. Jerry wants him. And... If anyone can deal with the madness, it does only in on the Jets. I actually think the Cowboys and Jerryland can probably deal with him better so, than most.
1: So have you seen the follow from Jerry Jones? and um, Some people may or may not know him. Ian Rappaport, who's the NFL network reporter, who tends to have the inside track to where players are going. And he put out this week publicly that he's definitely not going to Dallas. He has his sources. They're not signing him. And Jerry Jones came out saying, for what do you know? i the side if you sign him. So he, woke, he went back to him, well then, why haven't you signed him? He's been a free agent for two to three days. He's adamant that he won't go there. So we'll yeah, see.
0: We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Well, they have the,
1: they, I don't know if they even have the, the cap to, to take in a contract like that.
2: Uh, t- to be honest, you're lucky. He, as if they offer him a few free car washes, he might do it. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that this is one of these points where if the talent is good enough, you put up with it. The simple fact is that when part of the issue or one of the stories coming out is that he was getting chewed off by a second or third string um, player on defense for, you know, a broken assignment, like that doesn't happen in the world of the NFL, uh, in the world of veterans. So I think, and also then the rumor is that the leadership group wanted him out as well. And leaks like that don't happen within teams about the leadership Mm -hmm. group. So... I definitely.
0: I think the other thing that needs to be said is he, he is overpaid or was overpaid at Baltimore for what he now represents. I mean, for the player he was, definitely worthwhile. I mean, it's clear to say, and it's not unfair to say last year, he looked like he'd lost a step. There were a few blown assignments that seemed to be his responsibility. Obviously, we don't know the whole scheme, so we can't guarantee that. But he definitely didn't look the player he has been. In the past, he definitely didn't scare opposing quarterbacks with that free roaming safety, you know, kind of range that he has. Um, so, you know, for Baltimore, obviously they would have happily gone into the season with him, I think. I mean, he's still better than the replacements they're going to have there, but they, they don't seem to be crying about it too much. And maybe, you know, you sometimes need to cut someone loose to, to move on with it. So, Yeah. Uh, definitely an interesting one to watch during the season, though. And, uh, yeah, speaking of the season, I mean, Brian, I know we've talked a lot about news, but do you want to get going, talk about the season?
1: Well, I think it's about time people did start talking about the season. You know, Gord is right has been so much publicity, not for the wrong reasons, and obviously with COVID-19 and them trying to come up with the right protocols for players to feel safe going into the, the facilities, then. There's been so little talk with the season itself. You know, by now we're less than a fortnight away from the first game, the Chiefs against the Texans. By now you're normally reading page after page of predictions and mm-hmm. you getting agitated by people saying the Giants are gonna be crap again. And that we but we've hardly had any conversations up to now. So yeah, I think it's about time.
0: Yeah, when we start getting stuck into it. It's been weird with no preseason in that regard. Like, I mean it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's been like, there's no build up in the normal way we've expected and normalized. And indeed, even in our Irish culture, like the idea of we've gone through a long summer with no sport, with the Premiership having finished in earlier in the year and the gas season being in full flow, like everyone's just discombobulated. So, but yeah, look, let's kick it off, guys. Traditionally, we always do an ASC rundown and an FC rundown. So this week, how about we go with the AFC? Next week we'll do the NFC and our Super Bowl picks. But let's run through division by division. Just a brief recap for anybody catching up on developments in the last year on, on how things are looking. And I want to hear your honest feedback and inputs, if you like, in relation to who you think's going to win the division or and why, and your, your thoughts. So. Um, I'll kick it off with the AFC North, if only because Gordo has two teams in that division, and we were just talking about the Ravens. So, you know, we have the Ravens, who last year, best record in the league, obviously, um, failed in the uh, – sorry, best record in the AFC, uh, lost the number one seed in their home advantage to the Titans. The Steelers, who had a bad season with Ben Roethlisberger being injured so often. Um, uh, the Browns, who just continue to be um, sadness personified, and of course the now Joe Burrow led Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, who wants to kick this one off? How do you see the AFC North breaking down this season?
1: I crack, I crack I, Gordon. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, in terms of the division itself, I think, I think there's one team that are progressing nicely, which I think is the Cleveland Browns, which I'd never thought I'd be, I'd be saying. I think. Steelers are a bit of an unknown factor because Big Ben didn't play last year, so effectively he hasn't played for two years. So, you know, people said last year that Tomlin did a great job on the Steelers. bearing in mind they had to run through two or three quarterbacks, and they still had themselves within within touching distance towards the end of the season. And then the Bengals, who have been in free fall for years for one reason or another, and Zach Taylor was a new head coach last year, didn't seem to do a lot. They obviously, they've gone down the quarterback route in the draft, and then. You've got the Ravens, who, to be honest, are not only a standout team in the division right now, they're the overwhelming favourites for the Super Bowl from the AFC in terms of who's going to go to the Super Bowl between them and the Chiefs. There has been a lot of change. Well, obviously, we've discussed the, the Earl Thomas situation, but in terms of change from personnel, Claes Campbell's come in probably on the wrong side of his career, but again, the kind of player, defensive end that can still deliver. He's coming from the Jags. I don't think he. But thought he'd kind of missed his opportunity with the Jags in terms of he went to the championship game against the Patriots a couple of years ago. So it's a, it's a good move for him to go into the Ravens. He'll, he'll probably work in terms of a, a number of different defensive ends. I don't think he'll be in, the, in each game, snap after snap. He'll he have to kind of rotate. But they're stacked. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a quality quarterback. He's now, last year, we've seen the progression how, how good he was. He failed in the, in the, in the divisional round against the Titans. The Titans run a bit of a run at that stage. Then you look at the offense, Hollywood Brown last year, wide receiver, Miles Boykin, wide receiver. They've, they've upgraded the offensive line to help. Jackson with DJ Flucker has come in from the Chargers. you guys, reliable player in terms of Mark Andrews, tight to end, he met the touchdown he caught last year, his wide receiver numbers. Patrick Queen come in the first round. I can't see beyond the, the Ravens in, the, in terms of winning the division. When did they go to the Super Bowl? That's another question, but it's definitely a standout
0: team and I can't see past them. So, Gordo, I mean, look, I could, I could challenge Brian on this saying. He's still got a number one receiver as a tight end. And, you know, one injury away, say, from a Lamar Jackson from really being um, screwed or Mark Ingram even being a danger. But can you make any case for any of the others? I mean, particularly your two teams, you know, the Steelers and the Browns. Two of your many teams, sorry.
2: The Steelers yeah, and- two, two of my many teams. Um, I think on the Pittsburgh Steelers piece, it's the old saying of no news is good news. And I think that's been the case for Pittsburgh Steelers to date in the offseason. We're not hearing much coming out about it. Apparently, uh, Big Ben is back throwing and is feeling good. Again, like the injury he's had, he either will be the old Big Ben and still reliable, or he'll be this new version of the Big Ben and have lost a huge amount of his arm. And, and that's going to be the telling factor. And then when you look at as well the Steelers draft picks this year, they didn't have many high draft picks. Uh they drafted a wide receiver in the second round who again bit of a speedster, six foot four, I think it was like a four-four in the forty-yard dash. But again wasn't used. We don't know if he can run most of the routes or if he's just purely a streak type wide receiver. So they haven't really beefed up the the team as much as you'd like to see. So I can't really make much of a of a call on the Pittsburgh Steelers at the moment, Cleveland. I think again. I'm sure this is what year three, year four of our podcast. Um, I'm not sure how many times I've been saying that this is going to be the year of the Browns, but again, Stefanski inside there, a new GM, feels like a broken record at the moment. Feels like I've said this a few times in the past. Um, this is a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. Uh, will the Browns have gone through a third? quarterback um, in the last few years um, they have one of the best receiving cores in, in the league they have a strong offensive line and uh, they've drafted well, they've made some trades I, Cleveland Browns will be the ones who I would be saying are the best team to challenge the Baltimore Ravens I think it's a year too early for the, for the um, Bengals and I think as much as I love the first draft pick to be a quarterback and I've backed them many times in the last few years Joe Burrows seems to have everything you would want from your first-round draft pick and from your number one franchise player, but he needs a year. Like, is Zach Taylor the head coach, or, or is he just one of these people that was up? Oh, he was part of a, a Rams organization, uh, so may, he must be good. We haven't seen anything out of him. So I think, in my opinion, Browns are really the only challengers at the moment, uh, based on what we know of all the teams that can really give it up to the Ravens this year, oh my in my opinion.
0: Well, look, I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree. I think I agree with you on 90% of what you say. Um, Bengals, yes, it is too soon. When you use every single draft pick on offense, you obviously clearly identify you have a problem. That's not easily turned around. Even the absolute greats like Peyton Manning obviously had a losing season in his first season when they were when he was number one pick. You're number one pick for a reason. It takes a while to turn the ship. Um But I don't think the Browns are the only potential challenger. I actually think the Browns, you're right, to make a break for Baker Mayfield. But if by the end of this year we haven't had some complete blow-up and potentially, I don't know, trade ODB or Landry and just say, oh, we're resetting again, I reckon the end of this year is another Browns reset. Um, But I think... Uh, the Steelers could push the Ravens. They always push them tough. And they actually didn't have the terrible season last year when you consider they were playing with something called a Duck, duck Hodges at one point in the season. Um, I'll give you an under-radar candidate, though, who's a big make-or-break season four. Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster. He, yes, had inconsistent quarterback play last year, but he has not broken through the way they thought, obviously, when they let Antonio Brown go in free agency to the Raiders. Um, but Brian, yeah. Look, looping back to what you were saying, the Ravens are clearly the class of this field, and I think they're going to walk it. Um, but they might get pushed by their old rivals here and there. And someone like Steelers could be in chance for a wild card.
1: Yeah, the thing would be also have to bear in mind, sorry, with the with the seventh pick, sorry, the seventh seed being a wild card now. So this year is the first year that they've introduced the extra wild card. So you could you could go eight and eight and slip in. You, you know, you'll go up to the second yes. seed straight away. But if I could just touch on the Browns, I know, like you're saying, it's a big year for Baker Mayfield. But you look at some of the things they've done in, in the free agent, the draft. The first round pick went on Jelbrick Willis. So they kind of identified we need to try and keep Mayfield up. They brought in Conklin, good tackle, one the highly sought after tackles in the free agency, Austin Hooper tight end. So they're giving them as many weapons as possible to make them finally. Yeah. yeah get
0: the home run, shall we obviously. Yeah, we we saw that that one last season. I mean, I think every season I have always bet on the Browns having less than eight wins, and every single season I collect quite comfortably. So I'm still quite comfortable that one will come home. Great point about the seventh wild card, uh, the seventh seed, the the extra wild card point, Brian. And you're right, eight and eight could sneak in. I'm sure, we've had seven and nine division winners, such as the Seahawks back in the day, but. Um, We could even have a scenario very easily, which we saw, um, I think the last time I remember seeing it was in 2008, where two wildcard teams come from the same division as well. Um, You know, if you've got a particularly strong division. Turning then to another division, and I'll call it the Jekyll and Hyde division, right? There used to be the funny thing in the NFC South every year that they, I think they had five years in a row where the team that finished bottom, finished top. There was no repeat division winners. And the Falcons and the Panthers and the Saints were in this, you know, this macho fight for supremacy, if you like. The AFC South, I wouldn't exactly call it a macho fight for supremacy. It's more like a macho fight for mediocrity. But I'll be honest, guys. This is the one division that year in, year out, I can't read. Because we've had a Colts team who seemingly has it all and has a great draft and great teams. We've had a Texans team that seems to win divisions almost by default and then plummet in playoffs. A Jags team has made a divisional cha- uh, sorry, made a championship game. Um, and then on top of it all, a Titans team, who out of nowhere went on an amazing run and made a championship game. And not only that, had a lead going into it. Like, you know, somebody help me. Make sense of this. What the hell is going to happen in this next season?
1: Um, yeah, it's very much wide open. Like, as you said, there's probably three teams, like right off the Jags in terms of them being in play for the playoffs, I think they'll be rebuilding. But yeah, you could argue give a legitimate argument for all three Texans, Colts, Titans. In terms of the Texans, I think this is the year it's been our bust for a O'Brien. Right. I know Gordo has been trying a few quid in every year to get the bullet, and it's never happened. But I think interesting enough, the fact that they've now made him GM you know, it's a double whammy for him now. If he doesn't, you know, when he, when he does lose his job inevitably, at the end of the season, are they, are they replacing him as the head coach and he stays as the GM? <laughs> but no, I, I'll, I'll joke aside, he will, I can't see him winning the division this year. I think it's actually going to be the goal year to win the division. And it's not so much because people are saying, oh, Philip Rivers is the man and they've had a great side over the past few years, but they've actually done some good business as well. They've brought in the Forrest Buckner. They gave away their first round pick. To bring him in from the 49ers. Xavier, Xavier Rhodes, who was a cornerback in Minnesota, who's always been really good, he's gone there as well. Um, they've lost Ebron funny enough to the Staters. We didn't touch on that, but he was a, a really good tight end. But then Jack Tyler's been progressing really well the last few years. A lot of touchdowns, similar again to what we discussed wide receiver numbers. Darius Leonard, linebacker, and I think Rivers is an experienced quarterback that even to a certain extent luck didn't have in terms of the experience. And then I look at the schedule as well. Like their schedule isn't too bad. And the Texans' Texans' first two games are against the Chiefs and against the Ravens. They could be 0-2. And, and I look at the Colts and they're playing away to the Jags and home to the Vikings. They could be 2-0. and zero. So even early on in the season, the two teams going for the division in terms of the, their standings could be very, very different.
2: Yeah, I think, to be honest, when I look at this division, this is one of those divisions where you close your eyes, you throw a dart and... To be honest, wherever it lands, you could be right. It's one of those years. I like you look at everything. You look at the Houston Texans; they're a GM-less um, team. Um, Bill O'Brien is not a GM. We've said this before. There's only one Bill Belichick, and uh, you know you can't re- you can't recreate that anywhere else. I also it's it's an issue when you look through the teams, and I kind of go through them. But in my eyes, they're all quarterbackless. As in, I know the Houston Texans have Deshaun Watson. But is he a franchise high-caliber quarterback? I think that's debatable. He shows glimpse every year, but when you look at all the other teams, the Indianapolis Colts, you know Philip Rivers is there. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's now Gardner Minshew, and then you've got the Tennessee Titans being run by Ryan Tannehill. Um, it's just a a strange development of all the the QBs in this division for me personally, and that's just my opinion. I love the Colts. I think the Colts are one of those teams I want to see do well every year, but they haven't. They seem to be one of the better-run teams. They seem to have a load of good players in every position, but they don't seem to just produce when it matters at the end of the year. Um, I think with the Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry's been signed up. Um, he's there for the long haul. They're an interesting team. But again, I, I'm just a little bit unsure if they have the right quarterback in place. They had a, a good year last year. But again, I have a feeling you're all going to shoot me for the Houston Texans one. But that's oh, yeah. I'm sure. yeah. sure with a quarterback, Gordon, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, 75% of that, Gordo, we're with you. Like, I mean, Tannehill, they gave him 72 million, but I agree, he's never really, you know, I'm I'm not as convinced. Minshew, he'll win a few games, he'll have a great moustache, that's about it. Old man Rivers, he's passed it. Although Jack Doyle, greatly called out by Brian, I, I fancy hey. him and fancy quite a bit because Rivers, as we know from his time standing Diego, does love his tight end. So, you know, he could be a great pickup, but his arm is shot. Um, so I'd agree with those three, but... So Sean Watson is one of the most exciting, exhilarating quarterbacks in the NFL. He is a franchise star to beat the band. Bill O'Brien hasn't protected him at all, I would say, and they need to sort out the offensive line for, for uh, absolutely. But they they are not quarterbackless. In fact, he's one of their guiding stars. He's Cirrus, He's the North Star for them.
2: Yeah, he, maybe it's, maybe it is down to the protection that he hasn't had over the last while, etc. But he's shown glimpses but for me he hasn't been as standout quarterback as some other players in the league and he hasn't reached the heights and maybe it is down to the system he's playing and and the you know the talent that he has around him but uh yeah fine i'll take 70 percent, 75 uh agreement How do you mark is uh a generally a good look
1: so we have a few months ago when we did a podcast sorry Gordy you still have me laughing here um we discussed him the fact that they, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins to the uh, to the Cardinals. But um I think now what he's gonna to try to do is gonna stretch the field because he brought in Brandon Cook's I know he, he's up and down and he gets his concussions. They brought in Randall Cobb, who did really well in Dallas after leaving Green Bay, and they still have Bill Fuller. David Johnson's coming at running back. But there was that reliance on, on Hopkins all the time. And teams knew that and they doubled up on the situation might be a little bit different now when he had when he could spread it around between Okay, they're not they're not going to be at his standard in terms of DeAndre Hopkins, but they're still three really good wide receivers. And if David Johnson in any way comes back to the player he was before the injuries in Arizona, they have the makings of a really really good offense.
0: I I don't disagree, and and look, Cooks, I'm the first to kind of comment on the fact of his concussions and what type of player you know are they getting there, but he has had thousand yard seasons with the Saints, with the Patriots, with the Rams. It's like I mean, he is. A quality player and he's a quality wide receiver but you know how many miles because he's a bit of a slighter frame has he got but you're right can take the top off defenses they do have options i still think bill o'brien is a lunatic and an idiot for trading deandre hopkins but i do actually think much as i say it's jekyll and hyde and i'm not 100 convinced i think the texans are still probably the class of the division i'm not convinced in philip rivers I am convinced on the Titans, who I think will go back to the Wild card regardless. I think that hope in my theory they're gonna go about nine and seven, maybe ten and six. Um, probably nine and seven and sneak in, but
1: the Gordo's point, um, sorry Mark, Gordo's point around the fact you could throw a darter and that usually comes down to the fact that they, they keep beating each other, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's just, just never any really, uh, the form goes out the window when these two. It's like a, a local derby every time. And when you do think one team has the upper hand over you, they're coming in and you know in terms of being the home side they get turned over it's like well, the away team always seems to win i
0: i always i always loved um saying like if you're trying to say to someone what's the best nfl game to watch and stuff like that, it's kind of like hey sunday night prime time say chiefs against you know the ravens or something like that if you're looking for the actual dregs it's always a thursday night football game involving the afc south in an interdivisional inter- game and it's it's Bloody crap, to be honest. But I think you're I right, think, they do beat each other and they keep it tight, which is always interesting.
2: I think with the Titans, my biggest concern is if you lose Derrick Henry, like you're done. Um, and, I, and I think that I, I think you can't disagree with that. Without nope. Derrick Henry, Henry there, like you have no other option because Derrick Henry keeps those defenses on the back foot and just allows Ryan Tannehill to do what he did last year. So I think if Derrick Henry stays fit and healthy, Again, the Titans could do what the Titans did again last year. Uh, cause they are a run-heavy team, and they're very, very good at it. But without that run attack, I don't know what else they can do with just Ryan Tannehill, that quarterback.
1: They're going to need to get a little bit more from Corey Davis, the wide receiver. He drafted a couple of years ago when we were doing our podcasts and big yeah. expectations. A.J. Brown last year was a great great uh, selection in the draft, and he was a standout player for them. But well, lost a little bit as well. Delaney Walker was a very good tight end. He's gone. Um, Logan Ryan on the defence Conklin has gone to the Browns as we touched on Dion Lewis has left they've lost a lot of players and they haven't replaced them so I don't well, see I the was, Titans I, I, I the will Titans. say one
0: thing about that is Conklin I think is a big loss and you're right Walker was a great two-way tight end, but towards the end of his career more than anything he's been around for a while Lewis never fired with the Titans he never actually performed like he had done with the Patriots so they he's be- at the
1: Giants now actually so he better start for him What's that? He's gone to the Giants now, so he better start
0: for him. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Brian, of course, he'll come back. He'll come back strong. So what's his division picks then? Go on, give so it division you. picks for me are the Texans, Titans to go
2: to the wild card. Got him. Oh Um Yeah, I, I I think I'm gonna look at I, I think the Colts this could be a year for the Colts to be honest. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going
1: Colson. I'm going to, but I am going to let the Texans come in as a wild card.
0: Yeah. The yeah. first four interception game he throws, I'm bringing out so many old man Rivers jokes. I'm just <laughs> warning you boys in advance. Okay. Um, the gunslinger is back. Anyway, uh, with his eight kids, of course. Okay, that <laughs> wraps up that. a great call out by, Ro- out by you about Rhodes as well, though. I think he is a quality cornerback, so that's a great pickup there as well. Um, Let's move to maybe, well, some would say a more straightforward division. Whatever we say about the Ravens being a powerhouse in their division, let's be honest, guys. The Kansas City Chiefs are the powerhouse in the AFC this year, probably next year, the year after. As long as Patrick Mahomes stays upright, and indeed, look at what they've returned. They are the Super Bowl winning champions. They've returned every single starter on offense and defense. And potentially have got stronger when you think of the additions. Well, sorry, one, the key running back has opted out. But, of course, what did they do in the first round? They drafted a running back. Um, So, guys, you know, usually a fantastically competitive division, lots of great pass rushers. We've seen great flashes from the Chargers, flashes from the Raiders. But surely this is one-way traffic. Chiefs all the way.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'd be even saying they'd be going back to the Super Bowl. Can't see beyond them. Um, as you said, they, they haven't lost any player from the team that won last year, which is which is a rarity. You know, and usually you see a drop off. They brought in a couple of players, nothing, nothing major in terms of, you know, the kind of players that the that are signing in free agency. But some players that can make a difference, Ricky Seals, Jones, and then a tight end. Tight end on the uh, on the podcast tonight, but uh, it's done really well in Arizona. Went to the Browns, done really well tight tight end. Remers offensive line, Fitzjoyce last year, serviceable. Taco Charlton just never worked out for him in in Dallas. But you know, a couple of years ago he was talked about as top ten uh, rookie pick. So and then you look at what they have around them, wide receivers. Like, where do you start? Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Robinson, who didn't even have a great season last year. McCall Hardin's second year in the league, really good wide receiver, Kelsey, Disney running back, Clydes. Edwards Hilaire, keep trying to get that right, who has come from LSU who won the who won the championship. He's supposed to be a great player. Just where do you where do you say that? And then we touched on the fact that it's such an unusual off season. you kind of the expectation is the teams that have the the systems in place and the structure and the same coaches coming back can't see beyond the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I
2: think I, I think I'm the exact same. I, we said this on one of the earlier podcasts um, at the start of the year that um, the Kansas City Chiefs had the least amount of change across their entire roster. I, I out of their 52 man roster from last year, I think it's in the high 40s or something like that is what the returning squad is from that Super Bowl winning team. So, again, that is what you need when you want to try and and win championships. So, I think it's kind of coming down to the rest of the pack. When you look at the rest of them. Denver, Denver Broncos, again, you've got Drew Locke as your quarterback. Is he the next quarterback for the Broncos? They've been struggling ever since Peyton Manning left. They've gone through how many quarterbacks at this stage. And I think this is probably one of the the last – this is the make or break year for the Broncos in terms of their uh, GM, whose name I've just suddenly forgotten and I shouldn't have. John
1: Elway. John Elway.
2: This is John Elway, who, again, supposedly the quarterback whisperer, has yet to get it right when all he really did was just bring in a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in Peyton Manning. So I think, look, this is a big one for Denver. They don't have anything exciting on their roster, in my opinion, from an attack point of view. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers, a really, really interesting kind of line-up, the fact that they went with Justin Herbert in the draft this year. I think that'll just be really, really interesting to to kind of look and see see how that kind of goes. Um and then with the Las Vegas uh, Rams, or sorry, Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. My biggest thing is the draft this year. Is they they invested so much on the offense, and uh, they've gotten some really really interesting picks this year. Henry Ruggs, that third, the wide receiver from Alabama. Derek Carr, this is a year for him. He's making a lot of statements that look. This is his team. He's going to be the quarterback of the future for them. So I think they're the kind of the, the team to, to watch that comes up outside of Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think Denver will do anything this year. And I think Los Angeles Chargers are gonna probably struggle a little bit as well.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna completely go against you, Carter, on this one. The Broncos are gonna make the playoffs this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Broncos are going to the playoffs. They're gonna be a wild card. Really? Drew Locke <laughs> is is a, is a quality quarterback. Okay. I'm so I'm in on him. I've had a few quid on him to get over 20 to touchdowns this year at a nice price. Cortland Sutton, great wide receiver. Jeremy Judy brought in from Alabama, great wide receiver. Second round pick, KJ Hamler, great wide receiver. Noah Noah Fant, great tight end. Melvin Gordon has come in and running back with a point to prove from the Chargers. I'm telling you, you're gonna see it the, the Broncos are going to playoffs.
0: So I'm going to – you haven't completely lost your mind, but I do think you've had one too many sherbets already, Brian. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, Drew Drew Locke, I actually agree. I think he's a talent, and I think he's got something about him, but very inconsistent and in the small piece of action we saw last year. You're right. They're loaded in so many ways, and the two Alabama receivers that come into the league this year, and Judy being one of them, I think are unreal, but I think they are going to rip the place up. They're absolute beasts at college level, but people miss this. Denver doesn't have a good offensive line to give Drew Locke the time to get the ball out to these talents. And secondly, other than Von Miller, that vaunted Broncos defense is no more. Like they are not scary on defense. So I think that's going to be the bit that that holds them back. Um, I think they, they will beat... I think they will, With the exception of the Chiefs, I think they will do well against the other teams. In the division. The, well, the, this is the bit that I, I struggle with. I think Chucky's actually been doing a good job with the Raiders overall, but they don't have a defence. They're another team in this division now, whereas it used to be a terrifying place with Khalil Mack, Von Miller, you know, uh, uh, great, great um, pass rushers. Um, Justin Houston, obviously, with the Chiefs. Um,
1: Gordon's, Gordon's right. Gordon's right. He, he, well... And as right, you look at what the Broncos are doing offensively with wide receivers and the Raiders, like we, we spoke about a couple of months ago, and Gordon brought it up to the fact that they brought in Rooks the wide receiver, yeah. and then they went with another wide receiver in the, the tournament, Edwards. They all want, want to get into a situation where they know that to beat the Chiefs, they're going to have to put up 20, 24 points a game.
0: And, and they're right, and then they're playing the Chiefs game because the Chiefs, now with Frank Clark and some of the investments they've made on defense, will be ready and raring to go and play that game. You what well, the Chiefs don't want you doing, really, like the Patriots did back in the FC Championship game before and the Titans did for a while last year, is run on them because they're not set up and designed that way on defense and you control you can control the clock. Um, for me, I, I know my heart is more in favor of the Chargers in this division. I, it's my heart, not my head. Justin Herbert coming in. Um, he's obviously got a high, steep, high uh, clear yeah, steep hill to get over as a rookie. But I think this has been one of the most snake bit franchises in the last few years. Anthony Lynn's been doing a great job, but just been dashed with terrible luck more than anything. I'd love to see them sneak into the playoffs, but if you ask me, my money would be way more on the Raiders than it would the Broncos.
1: Would you not see a situation with the Chargers where, seen it like discussed before, Tyler Taylor plays four or five games? They don't. They win maybe two or two and four, two and five, whatever. Part of the season, and then they say, Right, look, we know we're not going to go to the playoffs, it's time to bring in Justin Herbert, and the results fall off not because they're not playing well within the games, just the new quarterback.
0: Kind of yeah,
1: that's how I think that's what I see from the Chargers.
0: I, I will give you one great advantage the Chargers have this year, though
1: they're playing in an
0: empty stadium, exactly. Instead of playing 16 away games this season, at least they get neutrality with silence and this. Yeah, that,
1: that, that may have changed. Actually, funny enough, on the empty stadium, mean, I actually think to the point about the Raiders, I actually think that will help the Raiders. I think the expectation of going to play in Vegas and the Razzmatazz that will come with that would be a bit overwhelming. But I think the fact that they're playing in an empty stadium might It'll actually save
0: the, the Raiders.
1: Well, you know, you're only game going game. one side, you're only going one team out of this division, eh? Sorry? You're only picking one team to come out. Come out
0: no, no, the I'm, I'm, I'm going Chiefs to win it and then the Raiders also to make playoffs.
1: You know, you, know, you know, I've made my bets. So.
0: Yeah, Gordo?
2: Yeah, i I 100% with you, Mark. Uh, I can't see you going any other way, to be honest.
0: Good man, Gordo. Good. You know, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. Right, that leaves us with one division which for many years used to be in a foregone conclusion, the AFC East. You might as well have just said AFC East, Patriots, um, and obviously for the last 20 years it's pretty much been that with one or two random exceptions. Um, but this is the year, boys, and I've said it before in our podcast and I'll say it again, the Patriots are not the favourites in this division this year. The undoubted favourites for me are the Buffalo Bills, with Sean McDermott's leadership, a great defence, and our an offense which has started to come together in a third-year quarterback now, hopefully going to take even a further leap forward. There are also two teams. The Dolphins can be a surprise, and they had a great um, recovery, I would say, playing hard for Brian Flores. But also there's another team we should potentially mention, but, um, you know, um, you know they've, they've a new head coach, obviously. Oh, sorry, no, wait, I'm just a couple of months ahead of the game. They, they will have a new head coach by the end of this season, but that is the New York Jets um Golda, i'll flip it to you first this time am i being overly optimistic on the bills or how do you see this one breaking out
2: no i think the the bills seem to be quietly going about things really well this off season they've made some really smart moves i think the digs move is definitely one like you've you've gotten yourself a world class wide receiver um to help out a quarterback who has an absolute bomb of an arm and i think The biggest thing with Josh Allen, and he said it himself this year, he's going to run less. He's going to try and play smarter football. And he's not going to look for... And it was interesting, there was a... uh, The GM for the Bills um, was on a podcast recently, and they were talking about how when they were speaking with Josh Allen about how his play type, he doesn't always have to go for that 80-yard throw or that touchdown throw. He now is starting to get better to make smarter football decisions. And he apparently, again, is a fairly smart quarterback and uh, more mature than you would expect for his age. So I think the Buffalo Bills are on the right track. I think Miami is probably a year too early for Flores in terms of what he wants to do. He's still in that rebuilding phase for everything that's happening in Miami. They've got their potential quarterback in the future. He's not going to play this year. I'll be amazed if he plays more than two or three games come the end of the season. But realistically, this is a year for him to keep rebuilding. Uh, the Jets... <sighs> There's nobody even talking about the Jets, to be honest. They're an absolute joke. Like, they are a joke of a franchise. Um, And I feel sorry for them because every year it's just like people just laugh. Like, they are the team that nobody wants to go to. That used to be the Browns, but nobody wants to go to the Jets anymore. Um, And then with New England, you're a fool to write them off, aren't you? Um, But I do think the last podcast, we did discuss it, they have been affected the most by COVID uh, with quite a few players deciding to opt out this year. Quite a few high-profile players. But it's Bill Belichick. Um, is the, I think the interesting point this year was no quarterback has been standing out for the uh, New England Patriots in the offseason. So Cam Newton is there. He apparently has been okay. Jared Sittman hasn't been good at all. Apparently he's been throwing more balls to the defense. But again, they're playing... And this is what people forget. Like preseason games, generally you get to go out and you get to play against second string, third string warm yourself up. He's been throwing against the first-team defence in New England for training sessions, and that's all he's had. But, yeah, apparently he's not having a great off-season. So, yeah, I think, really, there's only one place here, and it is the Bills all the way.
1: Oh, you want me to come in on that
0: now, Brian, you can take join spawning the best team in the Meadowlands uh, year in, year out. But, uh, yeah, come on, you, you comment on that. That's basically
1: I think for months I end I was very much of the you can't you can't go against Belichick. You know, even during the podcast I said do you realize the Patriots are favourites in the bookies? And then when I started as we said, we do a season preview and I started looking through the Patriots in terms of players they'd lost prior to Covid, never mind the Covid situation. Jamie Collins left, Kyle Van noy gone to the Dolphins, Shelton was another good defensive end, Brady obviously the situation with that. So I said, no, I just can't see it. And then obviously they've lost so many players because of COVID. Not necessarily players that would make a real impact. So probably only two or three really, Hightower and Chung, that were really probably players. But then, I think, yeah, back to Gordon's point, you look at the Bills and Stefan Diggs, okay, they gave away a ransom in terms of draft picks, draft picks to get him in. But they've, they've also brought in some smart players. He's a bit of a a wild child these days. Josh Norman, but he's still a good cornerback and he'll play there on the other side of... Judavus White, who is one of the best cornerbacks in the league now. And uh, yeah, Ed Oliver last year as rookie. I expect a big year from him. And then on the offense, I think, yeah, I think Allen is gonna come on from the first two years. It's a bit erratic at times, but he got into the playoffs last year. But I think as the years as he's progressed, he's getting better. Yeah, I'm going with the Bills for the division. I really I I'm surprised I'm picking them because I keep keep thinking I'd go with the Patriots. And I talk, I talk, calm. I'm not running the Patriots over work hard, but I just think if you look at the, the players, they've lost just too much and it would be a wonderful job for Belichick even to get them to the playoffs.
0: Well, I mean, he, you know, famously Bill Belichick in 2008, when Brady did his knee, went 11 and five um, with Matt Castle as the quarterback with Matt Castle, never having started a game in college, obviously sitting behind Carson Palmer, his last game. He started Still in the had
1: all your players playing though.
0: Yeah, yeah. So maybe he had that season he had a Randy Moss, he had a Wes Welker, he had a, you know, a, an amazing defense as well, Teddy Bruschi, Mark Rabel, Adelius Thomas, you know, the list went on. They were so stacked that year, it was unreal. Um I'm sadly, unfortunately, with you, I mean the streak is gonna be broken and so many streaks are gonna be broken. I would love to say Patriots are gonna end up with ten wins and keep that consecutive ten win season alive but the best I can see for the Pats is going nine and seven and squeaking into the playoffs. I think the dolphins are going to be a lot tougher than everybody expects. I can see them going seven, nine, eight and eight. The jets will just be lucky to get through the season alive or their head coach will be lucky to get through the season alive. He's ruining a, I think he's a decent half talented quarterback there in Sam Darnold, but, um,
1: for months, when I looked at the Dolphins pickups, I was actually kind of saying, "You know what? They really have a good chance this year with the Brady situation and yeah. the division being up for grabs." Matt Brady is a good running back. Jordan Howard, another good running back. Byron Jones was the best cornerback available. Shaq Lawson, the Bills called a knife on the and Knife in the pages, rather really good players. But then you look at their schedule outside of the division. They are really tough games, and you just look at it and say, as good as they have been towards the back end of last season, and then what they have coming down the line. Just can't see them getting beyond six or seven wins.
0: Yeah, I think seven and nine is where I see them falling, roughly. I mean, the Bills, I think, are not quite walk it. I think the thing with the Bills is they're just so much stronger into division that I don't see them going worse than four and two in the division, and that's going to give them a lift up, um, invariably, obviously, in everything else. And I'd probably see them going five and one more than four and two, to be frank. So...
1: The yeah, situation situation, um, um, yeah, like meeting before, you go into the Jets, like they lost CJ Mosley to the Colvin and Jamal Adams Australia to Seattle. Didn't pick up a lot none. in free agency. Um, and they're
0: tanking. They're tanking already. Even if they don't know it, they're tanking. And Jesus Christ, God help everyone that's on it. I don't know. I just can't get over how dysfunctional that organisation is. It's like every sport seems to have one, you know, that – just one franchise, they can't get it. NFL, they've got the Browns and the Jets. I don't know. They're just generous, I suppose, to at least have two.
2: But, um, uh, uh, there's there. One interesting fact I want to kind of leave us on when we talk about the AFC East is just, again, obviously my background in rugby and, again, one of my favorite sports. Christian Wade, former England international, is still with the Buffalo Bills. So, again, yep. came through the NFL pathway. Your program actually made the practice squad last year. And if anything, with the fact that Shady McCoy is now gone uh, and the opening up in the running back and the fact that there's actually no preseason games, the kind of rumblings are this will actually benefit someone like Christian Wade and then also the fact that COVID this year. But he's just an interesting one to keep an eye on because um, one of the few kind of players that have transferred sports that are still in the league that other than, I know the Philadelphia Eagles have the offensive tackle. But, uh, yeah, Christian Wade, interesting one there, running back, who could still make a, an impact for the Bills this year and potentially finally make a, a roster.
0: Well, wait, well, let's wait and see. The Hane train hype in 49ers a couple of years ago obviously petered out. But Wade last year, actually, in preseason game, had a great long touchdown run for the Bills. So, yeah, let's yeah. see. Good ones keep an eye on Gordo. So, thanks for calling that out. Boys, before we t- close off, I kind of said, Three, we said there are three wild card teams this year. I kind of gave you my three. Um, who do you think because you've kind of gone division winners, but who do you think Gordo are the three wild cards coming out of the AFC?
2: Um, I think when I look at it, Indiana, uh, Las Vegas Raiders are one for me, I think Cleveland Browns. And I'm kind of stuck in a third, to be honest. I think it's probably again if I'm if I'm going with the Colts for the AFC South, I'm probably looking at Houston. Is probably what I'm thinking at the moment. Okay,
0: fair enough, Brian.
1: Yeah, I agree with Gordon. I've because I've gone for the Colts. Have the Texans coming in as as a wild card, um, maybe I'm feeling sorry for you, marking me all edge, but um, I've. I've, I've longed for the day where, where the pages wouldn't be in the playoffs but I've put them in Yeah, I've left them in but you know the gas thing is they're only in because it's a 7 seed I don't see anything more than 8 and 8 but you know I'll, I'll be completely wrong and you'll be to me in a couple of months and then uh, the Broncos because I told you it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a lock
0: pardon it's the pun it's, the Broncos. Last year. It's, it's a lock is definitely the worst pun we have to finish on boom boom yeah. So Texans, Patriots,
1: Broncos, and Mark just to, just to dampen your
0: uh, your, your smile there, you'll, you'll you'll lose the wild card straight away. <laughs> Very well, well may be true, but you know, you know, this is the easier side. Let me do the NFC next week. That's when it gets really difficult. The NFC is going to be a lot more trickier because I think we've all established Bill's definitely an up-and-comer, but there's two class acts in this, the Ravens and the Chiefs, and there's still daylight between the Ravens and the Chiefs, um, frankly. So we will see how it plays out. Uh, gentlemen, as always, thank you so much. Um, very quickly, just looping back to what we started with, one fact stat that always uh, the, amused me a little bit um, four years ago, 26th of August 2016, Colin Kaepernick took a knee for the first time in a preseason game. The Milwaukee Bucks walked out on their playoff game on the 26th of August 2020. And kind of crazy how the world can change in a short period of time. And that's one free agent. We didn't touch on Gordo, who's still out there as well, Mr. Kaepernick, but still. Um, even though we're three white guys looking at this and talking about this stuff uh, and, yeah, can't relate in the same way, I always do come back to Martin Luther King's, uh, Martin Luther King's Jr.'s great statement. He said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's what it all boils down to. Gents? I'll sleep
1: better for that one. Thanks, Mark.
0: Thank you. It's all right, buddy. i I do my best for you. Um, thank you, as always. Brian, cheers, mate. Thanks, Mark. Gordo, thank you very much, buddy. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you all again soon next week, guys. Thank you very much. Bye.